0: Hello, and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Wealthfront and Electric. I'm Simone de Rochefort, supervising video producer at Polygon, and I'm here today with Brianna Wu, executive director of Rebellion Pack, And Christina Warren, Senior Developer Advocate at GitHub. It is a beautiful Thursday morning, which, Christina, I think means that no news could possibly come out to surprise (laughs) us, which is unfortunate because it's kind of a slow news week, at least in the tech world.
1: Yeah, yeah. After yeah. the craziness of the last few weeks, I I'm, I see this as an opportunity to talk about something fun and not depressing. So I, I think it's all about the framing.
0: And that's why I'm going to make you talk
2: about NFTs. <laughs> Although I did want to open with some very sad news. Yeah. The Save by the Bell reboot has been canceled. <gasps> oh, you loved that. You I did. It was so weird. It was so weird. It was such a weird show and it was such a good show. So I do encourage anyone to watch the first two seasons on Peacock. The second season especially was just kind of bonkers and I loved it. It was just such a weird show. I had a feeling this was going to happen. But anyway, that's very sad. Aw.
0: Does Peacock, is Peacock in the, the Netflix business of mass cancellations or are they usually <laughs> pretty so. chill?
2: Well, I mean, so because it's 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 an NBC thing. So I feel like they're not, like, in the Netflix business of we're going to green light everything and then, and then destroy everything 90% you of love. it. <laughs> I think that it's more like they clearly put a lot of money into it. Like, it had a decent-sized budget and stuff. I just don't—I never talked to another a single other person who watched it other than my friend Dashiell yeah. who wrote for the show. So—
1: all right. Well, I'm uh, yeah. sorry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, very sad, I feel though. like I'm one of four people that love Tokyo Vice, so you know, I'm praying we get a season two of that. So I, I can commiserate with that. I understand.
2: Well,
0: another thing that is maybe going the way of Saved by the Bell reboot are NFT <laughs> sales. <laughs> so we, we've got some <gasps> conflicting very, very, opinions. Good. Thank you. Thank you. A Wall Street Journal report from this week, um, indicates that, uh, The Wall Street Journal basically thinks that the NFT market is bottoming out. Uh, The report shows that sales of NFTs are down to 19,000 this week from a September high of 225,000. At the same time, various Bitcoin blogs have come out saying, like, this is wrong. Uh, What's actually happening is the market is condensing, not crashing with various (laughs) well-known providers. I know you're laughing. Like... Board Ape Club uh continuing to get traction while other uh other NFT projects are indeed falling like 30, 40, 50 percent. Those like very popular ones are are
1: indeed up. That being Christina, said, if we ever critique you and the amount of money you spend, just stress to us that your bank account is condensing, not crashing. Yeah. <laughs> like it's all fine. <laughs>
2: it is all fine. Also, look, you know what? Stocks had a really good day yesterday, so um and, and, oh, and no. they're, they're... your bank account is inflating <laughs> it is inflating it's not contracting i was going to say well i mean it's still contracting it's still condensing rather sorry that that, that that's that's their <laughs> term condensing i love that it, it it's not contracting it's not falling it's condensing and actually the term that they really want is consolidating
1: yeah that's actually
2: the term they want yeah but 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 because they're bitcoin blogs they're dumb
1: the votes in the race I worked on Tuesday, we didn't lose. It's just that the lose. Were condensing. <laughs> ah, ah, ah. We the, condensed to thirty percent, which is much better than fifty-one percent. So, so regardless
0: fun. of what the market may or may not be doing, there is a number that I would like to talk about here, and it's that two hundred twenty-five thousand, because. Uh, all of this time as we've been covering NFTs, you know, there's talk of like oh, this piece by Grimes sold for millions and millions of dollars. It now costs however many like large sums of money to get a board ape, et cetera, et cetera. The transactions are incredibly large. What was most shocking to me and what was pointed out in a, a reply to a, a person tweeting this graph that the Wall Street Journal had posted is 225 is not a large audience size Mm y'all it's a small number of people that's not a market no at all
2: that's not not even like a real sample size to be honest
0: yeah and so it just makes it more i think when we look at large corporations like ubisoft who have tacked on uh nft offerings to Mm -hmm. some of their games or or other companies that have kind of like launched little nft projects i don't know why i'm thinking
2: of uh, Pizza Hut, virtual Pizza Hut, like. Oh, well, look, 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 look. In fairness, yeah, CNN made a lot more money off of NFTs Wait. than they did off of CNN Plus.
1: Ow, ow, Ooh, that's brutal. That's brutal. But it's also
2: true. No, but but I'm also not even being. I'm not. I'm not even like being flip here. Like they actually did make millions of dollars off of NFT sales because they got in on it like last mm-hmm. year. I mean, I and
0: that I think that is very true, and that's what makes me just continue to mistrust it because. It is an industry where or a, rather a market where you can get in at the right time and fact. make a million dollars. Yeah, exactly. And then now, like, who are you selling to? One of the 19,000 people that are still right. trading in this space who yep. may be incredibly wealthy or who may be rubes who are trying to get in at the the very bottom of a pyramid scheme.
2: Might be trying 100%. to launder money. I mean, who could say, right? Yeah. Who can who could, say? Yeah. Who can say? Not yeah. us.
1: So, Before we get into yeah. the legal part of it, I just also want to note like the timing on this. I mean, uh, it's not a story for us this week, but you know, uh, uh, basically, SquareSoft's uh, many of their IPs like Tomb Raider were sold to Embracer this week. Yeah. It happens just at the same moment that uh, Squaresoft, uh, Square Enix is trying to make a really big push for NFTs, which seems like maybe not the most opportune moment to sell your, your very best franchises yeah, like, well, like totally. Tomb Raider. That seems like suboptimal well, thinking.
2: Okay, I want to talk about this for just two seconds yeah. because this is the dumbest. I, I don't understand the math on this. If someone has been following this more closely than me, please correct me and like insight, enlighten me rather. Okay, so so Square Enix basically sold off most of the IDOS um, uh, properties. So they sold so off
0: IDOS Crystal Dynamics and Square Enix Montreal.
2: Right. So, but, but, but I think most of that at that point, other than like, like Crystal Dynamics was, was a couple of maybe smaller things, but like, I think Square Enix Montreal was mostly working on the Eidos stuff, I think, but I don't, I don't know for sure. So, but, but it was, you know, the big things, Tomb Raider, uh, Legacy of Kane, there were a couple of other things, $300 million. Now, I saw reports that says that, that, that Embracer, which is THQ Nordic, um, used to, like, they also took on, Four hundred million in debt or something, but that's still three hundred million would be to me incredibly low just for the Tomb Raider IP. Like, I when when you know like musicians and and, I, and I'm not trying to to uh, I- equate the two, but when you see like like musicians who are selling their masters and their whole back catalogs for like billions mm. of dollars with the B. I don't understand how one of the most successful franchises in video game history goes for $300 million, even if you're taking on the debt load. So that was a weird thing for me. It's um, very I, weird. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, I feel like THQ Nordic, excuse me, Embracer, will probably be a decent steward. And I'm glad that it seems like they're keeping the teams together. And so maybe this was one of those things where they could have sold it more for parts and they did the right thing, which is to try to, you know, keep the, the, the court properties together. Mm-hmm. But it's still weird as hell. Like, this is just weird.
1: I don't know. I think, I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I have not personally seen any reporting of how uh, much debt Crystal Dynamics took on with the Avengers, which, let's be clear, that was a colossal flop. That was a very expensive flop. Uh, and then you had Guardians of the Galaxy immediately after that, which I don't know if you've played it, but it's, it's clearly a very, very high budget game. So I would just my educated guess I would guess like the debt load is a, a non trivial part of that, you know? Yeah the,
2: yeah, the reporting I saw, and again, I don't know how much Crystal Dynamics had, but the reporting I saw was that, was that Embracer also took on $400 million in debt. So, so, but, but even then, 700000000 million, I'm just being honest, so, yeah, 700, $700 million seems, seems low for, that seems because low we're, we're just talking just for Tomb, Raider. Tomb
0: Raider, we're talking Deus Ex, we're talking Thief, we're talking three studios that have, yep. like, a, I mean poor Idos. <laughs> what even is Idos at this point? But like the the Eidos is these dead are kind dead of legacy right? uh, yeah uh like legacy brands ugh, as it were I hate the words that just came out of me but yeah 700 million if we're counting like the debt plus the what they paid it does seem pretty low to me and it seems very weird and Square Enix now wants to invest in new businesses like Blockchain, AI,
2: and the cloud—whatever that means. Um, you know what that means. That means the next like Final Fantasy is going to have NFTs, and I'm preparing you both right now because it's going to happen, and the fans are going to rightfully freak the f out. But then they're also going to um, like like go, "Yes, yes, please give me more! Please give me more!" Like it's going to be like like it is. Well, think about it. Because if Nintendo gave us NFTs, we would all freak out, and then we would all be like. Please, please, please give us more, give us more. Please. I wouldn't. Want to I would you not. Know, like Amiibos. But listen, like if amiibos. there were, we would be Amiibos. It, amiibos are NFTs. Amibos are real. NFTs. If there were one thing,
0: it, I don't, I don't envision this happening. It will never happen. It is against every shred of belief that I have. However, however, if I were to fall to NFT mania, it would be because of Reno
2: from Final Fantasy VII. Ah, and it would yep. be Square Enix's fault. <laughs> totally. See, I I have your number. I'm just saying, like, there's we all have one property. We all have like one thing. Where if we're all against, well, not all of us, but we all kind of tend to think that NFTs are sort of a scam, and 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 I haven't seen any lasting use cases. And yet, for you, it'd be Final Fantasy Seven. For for me, it would almost certainly be some sort of like Nintendo thing. Um, or Taylor Swift, let's be real, because she's also going to do an NFT. This is a wonderful
0: it. segue because you, you've, you've raised a good point, which is, of course, if Square Enix decides to sell a NFT of Reno from Final Fantasy VII, I mm-hmm. will own Reno from Final Fantasy VII and everything oh, will Simone. be legally above board.
1: Yes. No. And wait, Bree, do you have something? Oh,
0: to tell no, me? no, no! I just want
1: to. Oh, legally above board. Yes, uh, there was a really fantastic video that came out this uh, this week from uh, Legal Eagle, which I would really encourage anyone to sit down and watch uh, because it really explores the legal basis for these NFTs from uh, from a very lawyerly point of view. It's a forty minute video, so I can't uh, succinctly uh, explain the entire thing, but I'll give it my best go. Um, the long and short of it is NFTs are still based in, uh, they're ultimately receipts, and they're ultimately still bound by contract law. And the Mm -hmm. application of that contract law and also the copyright law is incredibly unclear in who owns what and what you're actually buying a license to do. So this is a fantastic video where he's actually going through this, a trained lawyer, um, and asking yourself – a lot of fundamental questions. Like, there's the the just, like, scary... There's the normal stuff, like, do I actually own the right to anything here? Which, from his point of view, seems to be no, to much scarier things, like am I criminally liable if I produce these things and they go sideways? <laughs> like, could I find myself uh, in a, in a honest to God fraud, uh, uh, like a, a, a fraud case uh, brought by the government? And mm-hmm. uh, this is a fantastic video and encourage anyone to watch because it, it really gets into the, 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 like, the actual rights that you're buying, but also the legal exposure that you may have. He makes a fantastic example of, let's say we had a rocket NFT that we sold and we said anyone that buys this can like jump on a Zoom with uh, one of the hosts. Mm -hmm. He makes a very good case that depending on how that is written, all Mm -hmm. three of us might have to jump on a Zoom call at one o'clock in the morning (laughs) with someone that bought that NFT to to talk to them or find ourselves in the middle of a lawsuit. So- Oh, which, to be alternatively,
0: somebody could buy the NFT secondhand, and because mm-hmm. the contract was with the original purchaser, but not with the second purchaser, they not get any of it. They wouldn't get any. Yeah, they wouldn't get to wake right. us up at one in the morning. Ha! Huh, I, screw I, you. I, I, was, I, was,
2: I was gonna say though, when we do have our inevitable rocket NFT, which I, will I honestly literally
0: do, quit the show. <laughs> I, I, I know you.
2: I, I, I know you will, but I do honestly regret not not making one to ish post last year because. I'm glad that you didn't. It would have been a funny joke for about 30
0: seconds and then would not have been funny anymore.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, it would still be funny. It would be even funnier if like if it was still for sale because it hadn't been bought. But what I was going to say, though, is that our inevitable rocket NFT that we do before Simone quits, um, there will be a provision that is like um, if if you're if you're giving us like 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 five ETH or like, you know, like a, a certain percentage of Bitcoin or something. I can't speak for Simone and, and Bree, but I will jump on. I will jump on a call with you whatever time of day or night. Like if you're giving me that kind of money, I do not care. Like I, I have no, I have no morals about that. Like if you want to pay for my time in that way, I
0: am okay, like tired. I've got
2: a great yes. pitch for you. There's this service
0: yes. called Cameo where people can <laughs> give us oh,
2: money. Have you heard about the Cameo layoffs? Oh, no. Cameo yeah, layoffs. They just laid, they yeah, just laid off a quarter of the company. Yeah. What? Yeah, they grew too fast. They, they got too cameo. close to the sun. I love cameo as well. Uh yeah, I uh, it cameo is great. I don't think anybody would pay me for a cameo. Oh my god though, could I pay could I get people to pay me for hotel tours? Like I could do Maybe. a customized like OnlyFans okay, that's a good point. Yeah. O- only fans. But, but I was just trying to think I could do like a customized cameo thing where like I walk through whatever room I'm in the same way I would if, it, if I were doing a hotel tour.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I've never told you this story, Christina, but I actually paid Spencer Pratt for a cameo for <gasps> you on the show and hand to God, the quality of it, the video was not even in fracking focus <laughs> Oh my god! and the sound quality was so bad Aww. that I was like, I can't play this on the air because it will destroy our listeners' eardrums. And then I was oh, no. like, Do I want to argue with Spencer Pratt about $100 or whatever it was? I was oh. like, No, this is not even freaking worth it. So that's so, uh, wow. that's so yeah. sad. But
2: I'm also so thankful you did that also because this is just a ridiculous show because we're distracting ourselves from the end of humanity. Um, there is going to be a Laguna Beach rewatch podcast hosted by Kristen and Steven. And I am so excited. Oh, congratulations. See, the Lord giveth and the
0: Lord taketh away, Christina.
2: He really does. And and honestly, Lauren Conrad was the worst and, and Kristen Cavallari was the true star of that whole like franchise. And so, justice for Kristen, and i'm very excited about this
1: okay i think so. you're really selling Audrina short but that's all <laughs> i show. am well she was the hills so, so 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 you're you're but you're 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 right look, okay look, same, look the, same
2: cinematic anyway. universe so, right. you're incorrect yeah. absolutely adrina yeah. really is the hero though you're correct <laughs> yes
0: oh, uh too oh. legal, uh, you know what why don't i just do this instead <laughs> this episode of rocket <laughs> is brought to you by wealth front It's considered a good idea to have a chunk of money stashed away for your term-to-term financial goals. And having a solid strategy for your long-term investing can give you real peace of mind. The Secret to Wealthfront's performance is great software. It's built to make it easy and rewarding to build your long-term wealth. Wealthfront's automated trading optimizes your portfolio based on your own risk settings, which helps you reach your financial goals without lifting a finger. They also get you automatic tax breaks that can boost your returns even when the market dips. You can go with Wealthfront's expert-built portfolios, including a socially responsible option that's designed around sustainability, diversity, and equity. Or you can build your own portfolio with their curated selection of funds. Wealthfront is trusted with over 27 billion dollars in assets, helping nearly half a million people build their wealth, and Investopedia just named them their best robo advisor for 2022. To start building your wealth and get your first $5,000 managed for free for life, go to wealthfront.com/rocket. That's W E A L T H F R O N T.com/rocket to start building your wealth. Go to wealthfront.com/slash rocket to get started today. Our thanks to Wealthfront for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. So to return briefly to talking about legal issues before we just pivot right away from that. Um, so I, I think one of the main takeaways from this very interesting but also very dense video that I had was just that like it really is up to the NFT creator to figure out what's in their terms and conditions and right. a lot of the people creating these like they're not lawyers and they may not necessarily have lawyers involved in their projects
2: oh absolutely not right because, because a lot of this was kind of a pump, for a lot of these things not all of them it was kind of a pump and dump thing And and I mean we've talked about this before like this is still a problem it's less of a problem because I think more people are aware of it but you know even the the content that you're buying the receipt so to speak is oftentimes pirated and mm-hmm. and there are legal issues with that too so yeah, yeah clearly clearly a, a, with a lot of these projects i'm not going to say for all of them like i'm sure that the 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 board apes have some lawyers at this point because of the amount of money they're doing yeah um but but for a lot of these other projects i'm sure they don't and the board apes are actually one of the
0: I think projects that has, uh, what feels to me like a tangible reward that you're getting where like you, yes. it, it's a social club. Like that is what you're getting when you get this. Well, And
2: it's a status thing too, to an extent, you know what I mean? Like, and I don't know how long that lasts. Um, to be honest, we've talked about this before. Like, I feel like that's one of those things that could last or it could go away, but it is Somebody's sort of addition have a to bad the social breakup club. and the whole group is going to burn down. Uh possibly, but a bit more, more, more that something else will happen. But for right now, it is a status symbol to a degree, like putting the social club thing aside, which I think you're right, is a tangible benefit. Like if you have a legitimate one of those and you can show it off in your collection and whatnot, like mm-hmm. it's, it's the same thing as driving a really expensive car or wearing an expensive pair of shoes, or even if they're not expensive, like a hard to find pair of shoes or, yeah.
1: you know, or like it could they, be like at Hardy where wearing it is actually a negative signifier. Right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right. No, I mean I mean you're not wrong. I mean, like I was watching the Abercrombie documentary because, you know, I oh, work at Abercrombie. It is good. And and I, I worked at Abercrombie. I was oh my I God. was one of those people. Uh oh yeah, no, they made me stand in a bikini um in the window one year, uh Fourth wow. of July. Well,
1: congrats oh, on yeah. being
2: hot. <laughs> uh, thank you, thank you. Uh, yeah, there. The interview was a look interview. Uh, it was a disgusting place to work. Anyway, um, Ugh. but 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 you know, but like it just kind of shows like trends come and go and those sorts of things. So you don't know. But for right now, other than the hack that they had on their Instagram at- uh, account last week, they do seem to be probably more
0: yeah. Above whereas board, something you know like I mean? say the weapon skins that Ubisoft is selling, there may or may not be any. Like they don't owe necessarily any responsibility oh, that in their future games, somebody oh, who no. bought one uh, of and those uh, and then sold actually, it to someone great... else would be able to use that ever again in a game.
2: No, and that's actually a great point because Ubisoft, see, and this is the interesting thing, you have projects who both definitely do not have lawyers involved and who could just cut and run and you don't have really anything in your terms mm-hmm. of service. And then you have NFTs where the lawyers almost certainly wrote All every of aspect the of the contract. All the lawyers are involved. <laughs> like, like Ubisoft, in which case you as the the holder have the least amount of anything because I guarantee yeah. you that however the the terms of service and, and the fine print on the Ubisoft things, I guarantee you that it is as limited as possible and that there's a clause that says at our discretion we can change anything we want and get rid of this. I guarantee it. There's yeah. no way
1: that, 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 that those f- would not
2: be, um, uh, you know, like very clear about that.
1: Hey, Simona's on the show. Let's be careful what we say about the French here. Uh, but I just uh, wanted to I, say it. That's why I said it. because I, I, I want to bleep
2: again. the word French. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Jim, please bleep the word
1: French. Or should we bleep DeRoche for when you're introducing yourself? It like, you could go either way. Nobody wants. No, to hear the that. The part of this video that was scariest to me, like just listening to it, was the uh, potential case of. Um, A fraud that could come with this if like you know and not from some exotic application of uh, nft law but how in a lot of ways this could be seen to like skirt securities issues in what you're promising if you don't come through like uh devon from legal eagle goes into a lot of detail mm-hmm. about why you don't see uh initial coin offerings anymore because they're regulated that certainly appears like this is a security like anything else rather than something you're buying and selling for art so um you know for me personally i live a lost free lifestyle and <laughs> that's very <laughs> important to me so it's it's just another reason i would not it, like if there's not if there's not regulatory clarity in a market and what exactly you're signing up for i think that that for me is a reason i just would not get involved so yeah i don't know
0: well uh uh yeah let's let's move on to our second topic of the day i feel like the the i could go on just nitpicking over little points in this video forever but we great video gotta get to work yeah do watch the video i put it in the uh show notes it is very good uh like very dense very informative uh and i enjoyed it a lot Uh, now let's talk about overwatch 2 So, uh, Overwatch 2 had its beta recently, and the results are kind of a big shrug. Uh, Now, I was not in the beta, so I'm only speaking uh, about what I have read. Um, But Overwatch 2, if you're not familiar with it, is the sequel, big question mark, to 2016's... What was that? I said we're not sure. We don't know yet. (laughs) you'll see. (laughs) Like, it is, but... Is it a uh, sequel to 2016's uh, hero shooter Overwatch from Activision Blizzard? This uh, was a game where, you know, you join up with a team of other people online. You pick a character to play as and you do a little you do a match. I don't know why I'm explaining multiplayer games to our art, the audience of my tech podcast. Anyway. Overwatch 2 is the sequel to that. It will be free for people who bought the first game and it allows cosmetics to transfer over, which is pretty great IMO, Uh, but that's not the only thing. People um, who are playing the PVP modes, the player versus player modes, will be able to uh, match up with people across Overwatch 1 and Overwatch 2. Overwatch 2 will also have a PVE mode that is coming big question mark, sometime in the future. Uh, They have not really put a release date on that, but that is theoretically where uh, they'll be able to show some of these like story missions and more lore-based narrative things that they've been doing as events uh, yearly for, you know, since Overwatch came out, but have otherwise only existed in cinematics and in comics and in novellas. Um, but the beta that happened this week or last week was about the PvP. So some details about that. There's a new hero, Sojourn, who is the first black woman hero in Overwatch, uh, as well as a new game mode called Push, where you're pushing a robot across the map pushing it back and forth between the two two teams uh, and 5v5 multiplayer rather than the typical 6v6, which is going to be a permanent uh, change, as I understand it, in Overwatch. Uh, there are also new maps and tweaks uh, to the, you know, existing heroes and how they work. I From what i reading about this, the 5v5 is a huge change, and that is definitely going to like, probably more so affect competitive play at first, but will, you know, will definitely change the way that Overwatch feels and Overwatch plays. But other than that, I have to say this feels pretty underwhelming to me. And, like, it's... uh, I shouldn't be surprised because it is kind of part and parcel with how the... Like narrative aspects of Overwatch have been kind of neglected throughout the years. Uh, and I have more thoughts on that, but Bree, uh, I wanted to check in and see how you felt about Overwatch 2.
1: Well, I'm not as serious a player as you are. I'm very much, it's you know, casual. It's been more a while casual. since I've been a serious
0: Overwatch player. Let's highlight that yep. right up top so people don't get the wrong idea about me. Okay,
1: fair <laughs> enough. But I, at least from the show, I get the the sense that, like, I'm the kind of player that I will jump in and play it, mm-hmm. like, once or twice a week when it yeah. comes out, you know? Like, I'm not, I never sit there and go, oh, I'm not Diamond, it's time to grind this out, uh, you know? Um but that said, Overwatch is really, really good. And it's a game like when you're in the right team and everything is clicking and you pull that last second victory, I mean, that is a mm-hmm. dopamine rush, man. That is mm-hmm. that is a good experience. So I was really surprised um, seeing all the footage of the beta and the commentary because this is definitely one of my most anticipated games this year. Mm-hmm. And the UI is exactly the same same uh the maps are the same the color is the same and yeah, to a certain extent it's hard to improve perfection so <laughs> I, I i i understand that argument but hand to god the biggest change here looks like it's it's moving into it five versus five from like a gameplay perspective What does that do? It means you have one tank now, which means that's a really critical role, right? A a healer and uh, three damage dealers, right? I think it's two healer, two support and two 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 damage dealers. Yeah, sorry. I I misspoke. Um, But, uh, you know, that is a massive, massive change to this formula. So Mm -hmm. I I think that if one person's on a roll, a five versus a five, Layout for that. It's going to cause, like, if someone's really rolling and just murdering teams with only five people there and them all needing to be more concentrated. I think that's really going to exacerbate that. Um, I think what we needed, in my opinion, is more interesting objectives than just say push. You know, it's very mm-hmm. simple and straightforward, but like pushing a cart across the level is not. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's not the most interesting I, uh, thing.
0: I struggle with this. I, I was thinking about this as I was reading it because obviously I haven't played it. So I was like, okay. And people were saying push quite fun, actually quite like fluid, fun back and forth. But so many objectives in Overwatch are here's your big cart. And if you stay on that, it will move incrementally forward. And this is there is a big robot. And yes, both teams, you know, are trying to move it to the other side of the map. But that I, I I struggle to understand how that is fundamentally different in a radical way from the existing game modes that we have, where you're either moving something or staying somewhere and trying to hold the point. Um, So that kind of made me go, ugh. It, I, I do think that 5v5 could potentially, like, it, it could make upsets even more uh, interesting like uh, as it were because i it's going to be more difficult like you said with with less um you know potential damage dealers but that could mean like potentially quicker like turnovers um in a game between two two teams if they're assuming that they are evenly matched and like evenly skilled uh cuz it could really suck like if you ended up with a bad tank and then You know, you're getting steamrolled absolutely with no opportunity of taking back control. Uh, But I could see it being much more easier to potentially take back control if you have two skilled teams like really duking it out. Um, Other than that, yeah, it's it's kind of it's tough. And I think as you pointed out, like as a player who like drops in and has a good time, like you'll probably be in a pretty good position with this because a it'll be free for you. <laughs> I, I i think that if it's just a slightly more polished version of overwatch and r- first overwatch in terms of pvp then that's great but i i don't know maybe what's what i'm struggling with in reading about it is that some of the i i haven't found a lot of like really good in-depth write-ups about it and a lot of the people uh like youtubers and twitch streamers who got into the beta aren't necessarily overwatch players. Um, And so there it's maybe not the best way to showcase like what the beta is about and what like is meaningfully different about the PVP.
1: I agree. Well, I mean, I personally have seen YouTube content from people. They're like hardcore players, right? They've gone through it point by point by point. Mm. Um, I think for me, as a more casual player, it's it's in a tough spot because Overwatch is a good game because it is immaculately designed and executed, right? Like, it, it, all the, the brilliance of that game design is really in the subtleties of all, how all the heroes interact, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I have probably put 300 hours into playing Diva at this point, and I feel like I'm still scratching the surface of how to play with her, right? Yeah. But at the same time, for more casual players like me, when you're coming back to it and the game is so much about this ultra subtle changes to the formula, right? It doesn't feel like Two, it feels very similar to Splatoon 2, like Mm -hmm. which was really Splatoon 1.5. So I think if they were going all in and say, um. You know, one of my favorite multiplayer games was the Mass Effect uh, 3 multiplayer, which was cooperative. That was a, uh, 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 you know, PVE content, right? Yeah. Like you're going through waves of things. If you want to introduce a really fun in-depth mode for that, I'm there for it. If this is just a slightly tweaked rule set, I I just don't see how this is going to catch on and make Overwatch a really competitive thing again in this format.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I I dropped in the show notes a link to a piece that no, apparently I forgot to drop it in that Cass Marshall wrote over at Polygon about like the the role that fandom has played in Overwatch and how. Activision Blizzard has kind of squandered a chance to uh, keep that up in a meaningful way in the sa- in the way that some of their competitors who came up after Overwatch launched, like Valorant um, and, uh, oh, God, the ones whose name I'm forgetting, have done. Um, but I think we need to scoot on to me telling you that this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Electric. When you think of the phrase, boss move. You might think of making a bold business decision, or maybe giving a great presentation in front of a big crowd. The reality is, sometimes being a boss in a small business means sorting out the orange juice that you spilled on your own keyboard, or helping a staff member with setting up their new laptop. The team over at Electric knows small businesses, maybe like yours, face these challenges. That's why they solved this problem for you by operating as your IT department. Instead of spending your time sorting through unused application licenses, setting up employee laptops, and answering never-ending IT questions from your team, you can build that dang empire. With Electric acting as your IT department, you can get back to what you are good at. Plus, you get a really cool IT platform to see and manage everything. Uh, I definitely would not... uh, uh, the, The experience of having an IT department is such a wonderful relief. You can go to them with anything. And you shouldn't have to do that yourself. (laughs) I can't imagine a more uh, unrewarding, unfulfilling and stressful situation. So I definitely recommend outsourcing that to someone responsible such as electric for rocket listeners electric are offering a free pair of beats solo three headphones for taking a qualified meeting just go to electric.ai slash rocket that is electric.ai slash rocket go there now to get your free pair of beats solo 3 headphones today for scheduling a meeting our thanks to electric for their support of this show All right. We have got a delicious and delightful, uh, weird and actually kind of
2: sad also. (laughs) Actually pretty sad. I was going to say I was going to say this is uh, I mean, personality disorders are sad things, but there's also a TV show hopefully to be made about this.
0: Yes, uh, which is incredibly ironic. Okay, so Vanity Fair has published a two-part uh, article series about a writer from Grey's Anatomy who seemed to be living out plots from the show in her life. She uh, was a writer on The Vampire Diaries and apparently was uh, a di- True Blood as well. Yes, True Blood as well, and uh, yeah all the vampire series uh, was diagnosed with a uh, chondrosarcoma, a very rare, rare cancer. Uh, she had to get a tr- kidney transplant. Uh, she s- got pregnant while doing chemo and had to have an abortion. Her friend was killed in the tree of life massacre, and she had to clean up their body parts. And then her abusive brother tried to end his own life and was then comatose. And she had to pull the plug on all of this stuff. Uh, and it came out that, None of this really was, in fact, true. This, she had kind of taken on this role of, I I will say, have you seen What We Do in the Shadows?
1: The no, TV show? No.
0: Okay, so there is, there are energy vampires on What We Do in the Shadows. And they, they drain your energy by boring you. But in the second season, they introduce an emotional vampire who goes into the office. And every day she comes into the office, she's like, guys my cat died yesterday and everyone's like, oh my God, this is so terrible. And they're comforting her. And then she comes in the office the next day and is like, and, and I I got hit by a car on the way into work. And everyone's like, oh my God, this is so sad for you. Oh my God. And she's draining their, their emotions because she's an emotional vampire and she's feeding off of it. That's what this reminded me of um, in that she, you know, kind of parlayed this, uh, False situation into a writing gig on Grey's Anatomy and then used her quote unquote experience to kind of push around other writers in the room and say, like, well, I I need to be handling this cancer storyline because even though you, a cancer survivor, survived cancer, I actually have it right now. I have it right now. So I need to be writing about it might be triggering for me. I might make me sad and stressed, but no, no, that's okay. I need to write it. It's my responsibility.
2: It has to be me. Yeah. It has to be me. If anybody else, even if, if you've, even if you've had cancer, you don't have it right now. So I own cancer. I'm the only, only one who I can I ever can write about cancer. Yeah. Only I can understand.
0: Gosh. And this is doubly wild because, of course, uh, Shondaland, Shonda Rhymes Entertainment Company, which, you know, she also does Grey's Anatomy, they had just done Inventing Anna on netflix a show about a grifter and the way that this all came out was that shonda Rhimes received an email like around the time inventing anna came out saying like hey um this person who's writing for you and also writing all these articles about how she is surviving cancer she's also lying to you so this is nuts i don't know what what do y'all what do y'all think about this
1: so before we get into this topic, I, I had to think for a long time what makes me what made me really uncomfortable reading this. and I, I don't want to minimize what's going on here. It's clearly a personality disorder. This is clearly fabulous according to the reporting uh, that we're dealing with. but at the same time i'm I'm a little mixed on if this is a public figure who deserves to have That's her entire fair. thing yeah. rung out in public, I um, realize she could say, I know she's an Emmy winner. Yeah. No, it's not even about that. She wrote,
2: she, she, she traded on this. I mean, I understand what you're saying 100%. And, and, and I, I have like a certain amount of, 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 of empathy and, and whatnot, even though I've met people like this in my life. And these types of people are some of the most toxic and awful people to be around. And I, I know they have personality disorders. I get that. I, I doesn't change the fact that they are destructive to the people who are in their lives. Right. Um, but she wrote for Elle. She wrote for a number of other outlets. She traded on this fact to get a writing job on one of the the, the top network TV shows.
1: Yeah, like, that's fair.
2: That's fair. You know what I mean? Like, 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 like. If it was just okay. Like, if it was my my. Uh, so a friend of mine, um, their former roommate was very similar to this. If There was a story on the former roommate. I would agree. Something like this where someone is like... I'm not
1: even saying I agree or I feel strongly it shouldn't be here. I'm saying that it's clear that one of the major sources of this was her ex-wife. And, you know, it went into a lot of stuff that happened in, in, you know, from trauma counseling. It just, it was it was deeply uncomfortable to read. I'm not saying Mm. it's not fair to publish this. I'm saying that that question that was in my mind, like, is this a public figure, really made this difficult for me to get through. At the same time, um, you know, I think there's a a wider conversation to be had. I mean, again, this is the second week straight. I'm going to kind of insult journalists (laughs) on the show. (laughs) But all of y'all kind of have... Some issues that makes you pursue that profession in my experience, whether it's well, a- as
2: well as Janet Malcolm said, you know, like, you know, I mean, you know, the only thing uh, I can't remember the exact quote, but um, uh, Janet Malcolm's famous quote and in, in, um, the journalist and the murderer. But anyway, go on.
1: Right. No, it's and, you know, certainly in having Gamergate like brought to Hollywood, uh, you know, I, I don't talk about this on the show every week, but it's it's going along very well. And I would say a high 90 percent of the people I interact with there seem to have some stuff going on. So um, <laughs> you know. just to close
2: the loop, this is this yeah. is the quote from from a um, um, uh, famed uh, journalist and and writer Janet Malcolm. Um uh, every journalist who is not too stupid or full of himself to notice what is going on knows that what he does is morally indefensible. <laughs>
1: okay. <gasps> I don't know if I agree with that. Well, but, I mean, um, it, it,
2: yeah. it, 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 it's one of the most famous quotes in all of journalism, and, sure. and it is. And it's one of those things, you know, she was a, a great New Yorker writer and, and had her own kind of uh, critics and whatnot. But but I think that there's some truth to that. And also, there's truth to say that people in writers' rooms and people who take on these creative tasks, many people are, um, have, have, you know, uh, issues and whatnot. That said, I still feel like this was interesting because getting behind kind of the spectacle on it, which is just, I'm sorry, it's wild, right? Like you, you look at just kind of the brazenness and all of this stuff. It's just kind of like putting aside, like whatever, like sympathy we have. It's kind of like the, the, the chick who wrote about like blowing up her life so that she could be with Martin Screlly, who doesn't even want her. (sighs) Speaking Ooh. of, did you read the piece, uh the
0: uh soulmate piece? Yes,
2: yes, 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 yes. The the uh the the my soulmate um uh doesn't love me thing or, or said oh. no piece in, 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 in the the Sydney Morning Herald. Yes. Oh my god, yeah. It reminded yeah. me a little bit of that. Oh, it totally did. It totally did. We're getting off track again. (laughs) We are getting off track. No, but like, I mean, I I totally understand what you're saying, Bree, but I do feel like this is interesting because it there are people I don't know for me personally. Like I said, I've known people like this in my life, people who I haven't been close to, but people who I've definitely known who always have a story, always have something and you never want to question it because you don't want to be that person who how dare you question someone who's sick or who has all these things happen to them. Like you never want to be that person. Um, and then then you wind up figuring out, oh, actually, they're just a compulsive liar um, right. and and have some sort of deep personality issue. But it's just uh, I don't know. There there is a certain like very compelling aspect of this of someone who like literally wrote television episodes and got opportunities based on just complete fabrications. It's just
1: fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's fair to say, you know, just professionally, like, Vanity Fair is like a, a trade magazine. Like, it's not, but it kind of is. And you're talking about some really, really toxic behavior at work, right? Like, yes. faking illnesses to, like, have more of a spotlight in the writer's room. Um, you know, you're talking about some some extremely deranged behavior, you know, even outside of what happened in part two, like the, the 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 truly terrible things that went on with her spouse. I'm just saying to a certain extent, I think that writing in general comes from pain. And I think that I think that a lot of people in a writer's room are effed up in some fundamental yes, way. Which, right. which, which, mm-hmm. The yeah. way that
0: they describe like all like so i uh, so many writers rooms i think on shows like gray's specifically that are deal with a lot of like trauma yes. and medical incidents are people going around like telling stories about their lives and then trying to work that into a plot and it sounds Very stressful to me,
2: (laughs) right? But but I I also uh, to me honestly that makes the this sort of thing feel that much more like I have in in a lot of ways more more empathy and 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 sympathy for the the fellow writers in the room because these are people who are also opening up about real things that happen to them and are Mm -hmm. then either having to feel like they have to shut up or have to you know like um, let someone else hold court to to spew on what what turned out to be just complete lies and fabrications, you know, and and think about like the emotional energy you go through, like helping someone through a rough time. And you do that because you're their friend and you're a good person. Mm -hmm. And then if you find out this was all a sympathy play, this was all some sort of like really messed up thing. Somebody who clearly made decisions to lie, not just to their colleagues, but to their family, to their friends, like like really like going. I have to give I have to give the woman some credit because she went all out, like she did yeah. her research. She like shaved her head, like you know what I mean, like like really played the part. And and obviously, there's a real uh, you know, psychological thing going on, but that doesn't change the fact that other people are impacted by this. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I think that's a good point. Like Simone, like people in those rooms are also sharing real things that happen to them. I would feel really, really. It would feel like a betrayal. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I would feel comfortable oh, yeah. if I've been in the writers' room without woman. I would feel automatically now i think very very it just totally upsets the ground that you've been standing on with that person but but but, but i would be like very hesitant i guess i'm saying like to want to share those sorts of things in another room because you don't know do i have like some sort of like you know like messed up you know person in here who's feeding off of my trauma to try to get attention yeah for sure
1: I think what I found really disturbing about this was in part two, and I realized this wasn't rehab in the same way, but I've been really open about going to to rehab in my early twenties, which, you know, it's, it was, it was extremely tough. Right. And I've sat in those group therapy sessions as people have like poured out their entire hearts. Mm. And to me, what, just made me like physically feel sick was watching like the love story between her and her partner, how she's in this really vulnerable situation with the past of abuse mm-hmm. and like lying and uh, oh like 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 faking being this this person that she's not in the middle of recovery. I mean to me, that is such a sacrosanct space with the the, the like mistakes the being so high for someone that to betray that trust I can't yeah. think like a, a priest going and spilling what you said in a confessional booth feels like nothing to me in comparison to that. So that was really disturbing.
0: Yeah. Well uh, bets on when this will be, get picked up.
2: Uh, oh, and God, Will I Shondaland love. produce it. I mean, I think they have to. I mean, I I feel like honestly, <laughs> <Take it. laughs> first first look, I think they do, but also genuinely and and this could even be a healing process for the people who worked with her in the writers room. I'm not even joking. Ooh. I feel like for the for the next season of Grey's Anatomy, they need to have a thing where they have some sort of hypochondriac person either doctor or character, somebody who winds winds up being, you know, this sort of fabulous. Yeah. Hey. Oh. And I will watch it. I will watch it. I also desperately, uh, speaking of Land, I'm still trying to figure out what happened to um, the guy who played Alex, um, who just, like, walked off the set, Justin Chambers. We still—it's been three years, and we still don't know what happened with that. Oh, my God. And that was bonkers, and the -the behind-the-scenes book that the woman from Entertainment Weekly wrote was terrible (sighs) and didn't give me any of the dirt at all, so— I, I need to know the story behind that and the story behind um, what happened with uh, uh, Juliana Margulies and uh, Archie. I can't think of her last name from The Good Wife. And then I will be able to die happy. <laughs> I want that for you.
1: Uh, Thank you. Brianna,
2: what are you up to this week?
1: Uh, I'm recovering primarily. <laughs> um, it has been a very, very busy two weeks. Um I think I can go ahead and announce this today. Um, I'm working with a bunch of people uh, that – basically as all these anti-trans bills are going on nationwide. uh, There have been a lot of friends of mine, they're asking what they can do about it to make a difference. Uh, Obviously with my professional skills, I know a thing or two about fundraising. So I'm working with a bunch of uh, really talented people to put on a week-long fundraiser on Twitch. Uh, Simone, you very generously agreed to uh, be part of that to help uh, fundraise for Lambda Legal. Um, One of the things we wanted to do was um, to not do something that feels good but kind of push back on the fundamental legal level of this Lambda Legal actually is funding some of these SCOTUS cases to uh, push back on uh, things like the Georgia law mm-hmm. so um, we want to directly uh, help fund them and uh, you know be- make sure they have the resources they need to pursue these cases aggressively so if you want to see Simone hang out with some awesome people uh, uh, I would ask you it's uh, to show up for that it's going to be the last Last week of this month and uh that's what i'm doing this week working on producing that
0: yay i'm excited are you yes gonna send me an email with
1: with details like dates and times all of that yes happening Ooh, on Tuesdays. Kind of as we're putting it all together that's wonderful What? okay great okay thanks
2: christina what are you up to this week So I've been in Atlanta since last Friday, and I will be here through – I leave Monday um, morning um, to fly back to Seattle. So very long trip, um, but I was here for uh, my nephew's first birthday slash christening, and that was – it was a big event, but it it went off really well. It was very cute. Um, He smashed his cake and was very happy. And then my mom – Wanted because it was so close to Mother's Day. She was like, "Oh, it'd be great if you could stay through Mother's Day." And I can't say no to my mom. And as yeah. as uh, frequent listeners know, my mom is oh. the best. So, um, so I've been I've been in Atlanta, and I'm about to go get Botox. And um, <laughs> I'm I'm trying to ignore the fact that I'm in um a a state that has very different uh, beliefs than I do about very very many things. So yeah, that's right. That's what I'm up to this week. All right.
0: Uh, I'm going into the office for a shoot today and I rescued an injured bird. But I'm running oh. late, so you'll have to hear about that another time. <laughs> uh, Christina,
2: where can we find you online? You can find me at film underscore girl on the Twitter and the Instagram. Oh, also, uh, update on Theranos merch. I should have more details <gasps> later, but I'm very, um, a a a good friend um, might have scored me something that will be amazing. I will share some updates on that. But, uh, and also those updates will be on Instagram when they happen. But film underscore girl on the Twitters and the Instagrams.
1: Is it one of the masks? The election masks they wore? It is, well, the ones from the party? That would be amazing. That would be amazing. It's, it's, it's,
2: it's unfortunately not one of those, but it is It is something <laughs> that that I think that might uh, even be better. But yeah, but, but film underscore girl on the Twitters and the Instagrams. Oh, and also my show, The Download, um, is on uh, YouTube.com slash GitHub. Brianna, what about you?
1: Uh, You can find me on uh, Brianna Wu on Twitter for the time being.
0: And you can find me on Twitter at Doom Quasar uh, and everywhere else at at Doom Quasar and at YouTube.com slash Polygon. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Rocket. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did so, I hope you're leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast service of your choice right now. Thanks, everyone. This episode of Rocket is terminated. terminated.
1: Terminated.
2: Terminated.